the 26th of June, 2008, episode 101. The Rookie Designer, with your host, Adam Hay. Let's take a look at the starting lineup. Today's going to be shorter than the normal format. Uh, This is going to be the last podcast for a while. Uh, If you didn't listen to last week's podcast, we are going to take a bit of a hiatus for a few months, but uh, we're going to do a short one right here. We're going to talk about a couple of things that uh, I'm actually going to go up to the forums and pick a couple of things off there that I saw people talking about that I think were good conversations that uh, maybe only a few people were actually in that I think everybody should be aware of because it's things that that affect all of us most likely and uh, things that I think you can benefit from hearing a little bit about. So we're going to be talking about uh, collecting your files for output and that of course is talking about uh, mainly talking about print. I guess you you could say that there is uh, some procedure for web as as well like that. So we're going to talk about gathering your files together and getting them ready to go to your, your final destination. And the second thing is talking about portfolios and um, more notably online portfolios. And there's kind of a new trend going on that I think is good for everybody to know about because it's a lot simpler than what most people have do- been doing uh, you know, in the last couple of years. So we're going to talk about that as well. And uh, that'll be the show for today. So real briefly, I want to talk about again, uh, just remind you guys that This show is going on hiatus, and it's going to be for about three months. So being almost the end of June here, we're going to take off July, August, and September, and we're going to be back in October. At that point, um, basically what I'm doing over these three months is kind of doing a status check. I'm going to try and get some stuff done that's been on my list and just hasn't been able to creep up to the top yet. I'm going to try and figure things out and see if this podcast is something that I can keep going, You know, whether it be... Um, a shorter format weekly, whether that be you know sticking with the same format and maybe doing it only once a month. I'm really not sure what's going to happen yet, but I do want to give it a chance to survive. I don't want to just say that we're going to quit because I think this is a, a good thing. I've gotten tons and tons of good feedback over the couple of years that I've been doing it from all the people that listen. Uh, just, just great feedback of people saying that it helped them tremendously. So it's not something that I want to stop. And, and a lot of people have already told me that it's not something they'd like to see stop. Um, but sometimes that's the way things go. I've, I've gotten lots of great feedback from people trying to suggest things that would work. Uh, the latest thing that I, the latest suggestion that I got from someone is, you know, why don't you have kind of a, almost like a, I don't even know what you would call it. I want to say like a round robin, although I know that term isn't correct, but something where it could be passed on and, and, you know, every week or every episode is somebody different talking about a topic that they want to talk about. I think that's a great idea, but I just haven't seen the participation to make something like that go. Because one of the things I've done over the past at least half a year is ask people to send in topics, record it themselves if they want to, or at least just email a topic that that they think should be discussed. And I really saw very minimal results on that. So I think that's a great idea. That would be a great show because you get a different perspective on each episode, but uh, I just don't see it happening. So uh, that was that was the answer to that one. 
But uh, like I said, we're going to take a little break. I'm going to try and uh, get my priorities straightened out, get some things done that have been uh, needing to be done for a long time, and see if we can't come back in October uh, and running strong like we used to and uh, keep this podcast going because I know it's a it's something that's important to it's important to me of course but it's important to some other people out there as well so I want to try and keep that going uh, in the meantime you can do a couple of things for me if you'd like uh, help out the show keep telling people about it uh, even though we're not going to be around for a few months that doesn't mean that people can't get something out of it still now if you're one of those avid listeners that's listened to every single one and you don't feel like going back and listening to old episodes, that's your prerogative. But there's still people out there who probably haven't even heard of this podcast before, which means there is going to be now 101 episodes for them to listen to. Uh, it sounds like a joke book or something. Uh, but there's 101 episodes that are brand new to them. So there's plenty of people out there. I know you know people out there that don't know about this podcast. Please let them know this is the best time to do it. It'll give them a, a good chance to catch up on all those episodes that they may have missed so that you know when we come back, they can be up to speed with everyone else. But uh, please you know, plug the podcast wherever you can. If you have coworkers or um, um, students that are in your class or anything, anyone that you think might be able to listen to this and get something out of it, Please tell them where it is. Tell them how to subscribe, all that good stuff. The other thing is um, one of my biggest problems, and I think I've said this before, is coming up with good material all the time. You know, what? what is a good topic that you guys want to hear about? I can sit here and blab on about what I think is important, but that's not necessarily what's going to be go what's going on in your life or in your career. So if there's something you want to hear about, please send it to me. I'm always going to be, I'm still going to be here at my same email, adam at rookiedesigner.com. You can always put it up on the form as well. Um, but if you can, you know, throw those ideas out there, that's going to help me a lot. That's going to help to uh, ensure that this podcast keeps going. Um, other than that, um, I guess I just want to thank you guys for, for hanging on and, uh, Please don't forget about me while I'm gone. We are gonna. I am going to come back and at least give you a status update. You know, if things are gonna go away, it's probably not going to be, you know, the very next show. I'll probably do a couple of shows and just kind of, you know, tail it off and and maybe try and wrap this thing up. But uh, I'm not just gonna leave you guys hanging. So please don't forget about me. Uh, if you have enjoyed this show, if you have gotten something out of it, then uh, you know, give me those three months and then we'll come back and see where we're at. Um, but thank you everyone who has subscribed and uh, downloaded any shows at all, you know, and given it a try, even if it didn't work out for you. Uh, you're probably not listening now if that's the case, but um, thank you so much for your support because this podcast definitely wouldn't have lasted the two years that it has without a especially awesome audience like you guys. Lastly, uh, we do have our sponsor for this last episode and the sponsor is GoToMeeting. GoToMeeting makes an application that allows you to meet with people all over the world. And it saves you a ton of money because those people who are in different places don't have to travel to come see you. They actually just log into their browser and, and actually log into the meeting that you set up through their browser and they can see everything that you're doing on your screen and it's all in real time. So you can show them proofs, you can walk them through, you know, a website that you're building for them and you're all the all at the same time you're on a phone conference with them so that you can have that feedback, that back and forth that you don't always get with people that are maybe across the country or in a different state or even just on the other side of the city. 
So it saves you money that way. And also, you only pay one flat fee and you meet as many times as you want. So you're not paying by the minute. You're not paying every time you want to meet. You just play that, pay that one flat fee. So it's a great piece of software. And uh, if you want to try it out for free, you can do so. You just need to go the, to this URL, gotomeeting.com slash techpodcasts. That's gotomeeting.com slash techpodcasts. Uh, fill out a little form on that page and you'll be able to download it and try it for free for 30 days. And I think you should because it's a great piece of software. So like I said, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time today. Um, there are a couple of topics that I found up on the forums. And let me just take this time to reiterate. Um, the, the website is going to stay up and running for these three months that I'm not podcasting. Uh, the forum is going to be there and I encourage anyone who's not a member of the forum to become one because there are hundreds and hundreds of designers up here, uh, folks out there just like you and me who have stories to share, who have questions they want to ask and have answers maybe to your questions. It's a great way to, to interact with other people who do the same thing that you do and maybe uh, get a different perspective on things. Um, every once in a while I like to pull a couple of things off of here. Um, the forums, you know, sometimes some topics are very popular. A lot of people get on and uh, comment about things. Some of them, only a couple of people seem to have like a personal conversation almost. And, and some of those topics I think are really, really good. So I like to bring them to the attention of the show so that everybody can hear about it. Uh, this one in particular, I want to say I may have actually talked about this either on my own or from seeing it on the forums before, but it's uh, talking about... Uh, actually, the title of it is Best Practices Collecting for Output. Output, excuse me. And uh, Russ Spears is the person that posted it. And let's see, the, this one just says, as a best practice, what files should I include with every design project? Now I'm thinking from the designer's perspective only and from a concern for legacy problems. And he has a list here, print ready, uh, InDesign or or uh, Adobe Illustrator file for printer who want to work with the native files, print ready PDF, PDF slash uh, X3 or higher for transparency support. So that's different uh, styles of uh, like a high res PDF that you could use. Uh, low res PDF to ensure placement issues and copy flow. Separations PDF as a second level of important quality checks. Only this was really debated here, but was suggested by Taz Tally from lynda.com. Uh, images folder, of course, your uncompressed CMYK, TIFF, and PSD files uh, that are that are placed in your document. Fonts folder, using only open type fonts from the pro sets. Uh, native files folder, holding all source files worked from. Readme.txt for any designer notes for the printer. Uh, all of this placed into an uncompressed zipped file along with copies of the two print ready files. This is to ensure no future support for the for the zip file. Now this seems like a lot, but I guess memory will not be an issue for a freelance graphic designer. And then there was one person that commented on this says, I always include a print spec sheet as well as a printed version of the piece, especially one with uh, intricate folds. All of these very, very good ideas. And if you want to cover all your bases, I think that's absolutely the way to go. Uh, I think in a lot of cases, though, you're going to find, and this is where this is seeming familiar to me because I think I said this before, but um, I think I may have commented on this before. You actually don't need all this stuff in every every time you give it 
to the printer. And the reason for this is every printer is going to want something different. Every printer has their own process for how they do things. So this, of course, and it said in the beginning, he's just covering all the bases. So he's going to include all the native files, which would be InDesign files, Quark files. If you laid it out in Illustrator, it would be Illustrator files. Um, some people do like to work with those as opposed to a print-ready PDF, which is like the high-resolution PDF, PDFX. Um, and if you're confused about these things, like the different types of PDFs, the same the same advice goes for all of this stuff. If you want to know exactly what to give to your printer, just ask them. If you want to know exactly, you know, how to format your PDF so that it's exactly the way they want it, just ask them. Most of the times they're going to have a document that will even possibly have screenshots on it that show you exactly how to export your PDF so that it's exactly the way they want it. Um, most places, if you're if you're sending into let's say like a magazine, you have a magazine ad that you're sending into, you know whoever it is that that brings in the ads and and puts everything in its place, they're going to have something similar to that as well. They'll have a document that'll tell you at least tell you what settings to use on your programs, or like I said, maybe even have screenshots that show you which boxes to check and which, you know, how to format everything. They try and make it as easy as they can for you because if you send them something wrong, it just breaks down the process. They then either have to fix it themselves or they have to send it back to you and tell you what to fix. And it just, as you can, as you might imagine, becomes more of a headache. So they want to make sure that you do it right the first time. So all you have to do is ask these people, hey, what do you need from me? And uh, most times they're going to be able to either hand you a document or they'll just, you know, if they have to, they might walk you through the process. And it's always, I forget who it is. I think it's uh, Prepressology, I think is who it is, has something in his tagline about, you know, the printer is your friend. You know, make sure you ask questions. If you have, if you have questions for the printer, go ahead and ask them. They're not going to bite you. So these people are there to work with you. There's probably some kind of in-between you probably aren't going to be talking directly with the person that's printing your your file. But there's going to be some kind of in-between person that has your account. You can give them questions. They can pass them on and give you the answers back. And it's really not that scary of a process. So make sure if you have questions, ask them. Uh, if you want to know what to give them, definitely ask them that. But this is a very good list to work from, I believe. Uh, some of the things that I haven't really had to to send in is the separations PDF and and even you know the person that wrote this post said you know there is some debate as to whether you need that or not I've never actually needed that before I've never been asked for uh, separations which of course is um, basically the separations of the different CMYK plates or if you have a Pantone there's gonna be a, a, a separate one than that but if you're just working in CMYK it would be the printout of all the yellow all the magenta, black, you know, everything separately. So basically it would look like the plates would look, you know, when they actually print out the plates or or when they uh, prepare the plates rather. Uh, images folder, of course you need this. Uh, I, I guess we could go through which ones you are absolutely always going to have to have. If you're using an InDesign file, a Quark file, or an Illustrator file, if you're sending them native files, you always have to have that images folder with all the images that are linked to that folder, to that to that file rather. So anything that you imported into Illustrator, anything you imported into InDesign or Quark, you're gonna have to have those files in there. All your 
TIFFs, if they are TIFFs, PSD files, they could be um, AI files, it could be EPS, you know, illustrations and photographs, basically. You're always going to have to have the fonts folder. Make sure you have the fonts folder. Um, this one says using only open type. That's a great way to do it. If you have open type fonts, definitely use those because they work on PC and Mac. Uh, you don't have to be, you don't have to be on one or the other. Uh, back in the day, you would have either PC fonts or Mac fonts, and you know you had to work with a printer to to figure out what they have. You know you can't send them PC fonts if they had a, if they're working off a Macintosh computer. So OpenType really gets rid of those problems. So if you have those, use them. They're they're pretty much the new wave. That's what everybody seems to be using these days. Um, they're not always going to be OpenType though. They might not always be PostScript either. I mean we we talked in another episode about how some printers absolutely will take true type fonts because there are ways to use true type fonts in print it's not impossible so again you just need to, to talk with your printer and see what's available what they can do um, the native files folder holding all source files uh, worked from not necessarily going to need this you, you really just need the final native file and then all the supporting files which would be the images illustrations and the fonts uh, the readme.txt, I always keep this in there. If nothing else, and I like the way the InDesign does it because when you package the file, it automatically brings this dialog up and, and makes you make a readme file. And if nothing else, put your contact information in it and just say, if you have any questions, here's my email, here's my phone number. Don't hesitate to uh, contact me about that. Very important. Um, if you're going with a high-resolution PDF, you can cut out the a lot of this stuff because you're not going to need pretty much everything gets embedded in that file. Um, you're not going to need the fonts, the supporting fonts, because they will be embedded. You're not going to need the images because those will be embedded as well. This is why a lot of people have gone this way. They've gone to the high res uh, high resolution PDF because all you're giving them is one file, that PDF, and then possibly a README file as well if there's special instructions. And the other thing that I, I, I like that he had in there is a low resolution comp PDF. And this is a great way to just, like, it's, like he said in the, in the post, you just kind of show them how things are supposed to be laid out. It's something that they could print out real quick and just take a look at and say, this is what this is supposed to look like. So when they print one out, they're like, okay, this is matching. This looks good. Um, what was mentioned in the, by the person that replied to this is a printed version. And this is also very important. Uh, you're not always going to need to do this. You're not going to always be able to do this. Uh, I've sent in a lot of magazine ads to trade publications that ask for not only a, a printed version, but a specific type of calibrated printed version so that all the colors are correct, so that they can print it on their press, bring it out, and, and set it next to the one that you sent to them and say, okay, these colors are matching. It looks right. Um, like I said, that's not always going to be possible for you, and it, and it hasn't been for us, and it really doesn't matter, you know, if our blue is a little bit off from what it's supposed to be. That's not really that important to my business. But if it is important to your business, that, that might be something that you include. But he brought up a good point as well, um, and I'm saying he, so I hope it's he, but it might not be. Anyways, um, that is, if there is some kind of you know, die cut or a fold or something like that, it's good to have like a mocked up version that they can have in their hands just so they can see that, you know, the way things are put together. 
like if there is a certain fold that needs to fold like two times, that way they can see where those folds are supposed to occur. Of course, you're going to have to have some kind of markings in your file as well to show them where that's supposed to happen. But, you know, having that extra um, comped up version that they can hold in their hands and see exactly how it's going to be, it's just going to make it that much easier for them to understand what it is you want. In the beginning, I was talking about output and how it's basically for print. Uh, there is, I guess, such thing as output for web as well because you, you definitely have to have all your files in place when you're putting files up for the web because most things are connected. I mean, these days you could have several, several files and I guess it's not just these days, it's since the web was started, but to, to build a website or even to build a, a couple of pages, you're going to have supporting files. You might have, uh, you know, JavaScript files that go with those. You're going to have your image files, again, that need to be in a certain place and that certain folder where you linked from to make them show up on the page, uh, things of that nature. So, um, again, this all kind of boils down to that same thing of being organized. If you're organized, when you get to that end point where you want to output things, you want to get them to their final destination, it's going to be that much easier to find all these resources, all these assets that go along with your final project file, whether it be an, a native Illustrator or Quark file or InDesign, or whether it be a web page that's calling on different images and uh, Flash files and JavaScript files. No matter what the case, if you're organized and you have all these things in the right place, it's going to be that much easier when it t when it comes time to gather all those together and put them where they need to be to get that final result. The keys to the game. Our key command for today is in Acrobat, and I would classify this one as kind of uh, an oops thing because sometimes you accidentally hit a key command and you don't know what happened. Uh, Acrobat has this thing where you can actually hide the menu. If you're on a Mac, it'll hide the dock as well. And this kind of plays into the fact that you can do full screen PDFs. Now, if you go into a full screen PDF to get out of that, you're just going to press escape. But, you know, like I said, sometimes you might find yourself and missing the menu bar or missing your, your dock as well. And the way to get that back is to press Command-Shift-M. And if you already have it, if you press that key command, you're going to see it go away. So that's a way to do that. And really, I, like I said, it's it's probably not something that you're going to use all that much. But if you find that you don't have your menu and you're in Acrobat, that would be a great way to get it back. And for those of you who are on the PC, it's going to be completely different. That is F9. F9 hides the menu or brings the menu back for you. All right, the next thing that I want to talk about is portfolios. And uh, again, going up to the forums here at rookiedesigner.com slash forum, I found one that was uh, basically it was just somebody that put up their, their uh, portfolio for people to comment on. And it got a nice little uh, conversation going about, and this is uh, from our poster, Angiers. It says, a hot trend with designers are having a one-page portfolio. Have you thought about doing this? They're easier to make and keep up to date. There's some great examples online. Just Google one-page portfolios. So if you, you just go to Google and say one-page portfolios, you'll find a bunch of stuff. I'm going to give you a resource here as well that you can uh, check out different ones. But these things are great. Uh, and it's it's kind of funny because 
you think about stuff like this and I think of it like I think of inventions, you know, you, you're watching TV and somebody comes on with something that, that seems like such a great idea, but it's just as simple as can be. And you're thinking to yourself, why didn't I think of that? And some of, some of you out there may have thought of this already, but these one page portfolios is just that it's one HTML page. There's no glitz or glamor about it. It's just images of your work, uh, a couple sentences about yourself, maybe contact information at the top, and then maybe a little blurb about each of your pro projects. And it just scrolls down and there it is. You know, most of them are just white background with images on it and some text. It's not like these big flash productions like you've seen a lot of people have. Those are great as well. But if you're just wanting to send somebody somewhere and um, have them be able to take a look at your work and just see the work and not have to dig through some other, you know, crazy kind of navigation or something like that to actually get to it. I think this is a, a very good thing. And uh, like Andrew said, this is becoming very, very popular. And uh, why not jump on the bandwagon, right? So it's great for people who aren't great at making web design, making uh, websites, because it's basically just as basic as you can get of a page with images on it. And that's all you need. So I thought this was a great thing. Um, what I did, I actually did what they said and just Googled that and came to this other site. And I will put this up on the up on the website as well. And it's called You the Designer. And they have this article called The One-Page Graphic Design Portfolio Guide. And this tells you how to build your own. So um, they say the benefits of a one-page graphic design portfolio. It's easy to code since it's usually minimalistic in appearance. Like I was saying, it's just, in most cases, just a white page with a bunch of images on it of your work. Simplicity of the graphic design portfolio allows your designs to shine. And again, I was just talking about this. It's not getting cluttered by some kind of crazy flash navigation or animations surrounding it or anything like that. All, all they have to look at is your work, the work that you want to show them. It's very easy and quick for potential employers to navigate. Again, you know, you want them to see a certain thing, that's all they're gonna see. So it's a great thing. Uh, then they have tips for creating one page graphic design portfolio. Register your own domain and get paid hosting plan. Don't try and use free services. And this is important just because if you get any kind of free service, most likely there's gonna be some kind of advertising, Google AdWords, or something else on there that's going to take away from what you're trying to do. If you're trying to just make a blank page with just your stuff on it, and you have other people's ads and things like that, that's going to distract away from what you're trying to do there. It's going to distract from what you're trying to show them. So in, you know, domains, hosting plans, it's cheap these days, very cheap. So, um, just, just go ahead and do that. Uh, the second one says, keep the layout of the site simple, but don't be afraid to let some of your personal design style out. And here's where you really balance it. You know, How much do you want to put into it? How much design do you want to put into this? Because again, the point of this is to be simple, to be just showing them you know, the samples that you're putting out there, not to you know, clutter it up with other design items that are uh, kind of almost getting in the way sometimes. Find the right balance between low file size and quality for your images. And this is always number one. When you're making the images for your portfolio, you always got to balance those things because you don't want it to take forever to load. But on the other hand, you don't want it to look like crap. You know, you don't want it to be all pixelated because that's going to reflect badly on your work. Even though it might not look like that when it's printed out or whatever medium it's in, 
you got to make sure that it looks good enough so that they know that it does look you know somewhat better it might look better than what it looks like on the web because you're trying to load it quickly but I think they'll understand that as long as you make the quality good enough make your contact information easy to find at the top of the site very important uh, the point of this is to get a call from someone or to have them be able to you know remember you and contact you if they want to work with you so make sure that contact information is readily available write a brief two to three sentence bio about yourself to personalize the site always a good idea because otherwise it's just a bunch of images up on a website and you know what do they know about you nothing uh, they know your contact information and they know that uh, hopefully they know or should I say they know hopefully that you created the the artwork that's up there but it's good to share a little bit about yourself so that they know something about you. Link to a downloadable PDF version of your resume that is under two megabytes in size. Uh, always, a good, always a good idea because you know they're looking at your work. They might want to look at your qualifications as well. It's good to have these things in the same spot because that way you can kind of just link them to one page and they can find everything they need to find right there. And again, the two megabytes, under two megabytes, you don't want it to take forever for them to get this thing. So try and keep it as small as you can. Uh, don't add any excess number of items to your graphic design portfolios. 12 or so pieces should be fine, but you could go a little higher or lower. Uh, we've had a whole episode before about portfolios and how important it is not to put too much and not to put too little and to make sure that you pick only the best pieces that you've done. And uh, even the order, you know, that you put those things in is very important as to who's looking at it, what kind of job you're going for, uh, what pieces you think are the best and maybe the lesser pieces in your portfolio. So uh, I'm not going to go into that again, but uh, there are there are definitely definitely rules to building your portfolio. And if you Google that, you'll be able to find plenty of information on that as well. Uh, add a case, a case study brief description under each project. This is a good idea uh, to let them know, you know, what the tools were that you used, um, what the problem was that you were solving, you know, how you went about solving it, why you chose to do certain things in the design. It doesn't have to be a paragraph, but it should be at least a couple of sentences. Uh, validate your website's CSS and XHTML, or just HTML if you're using that. Um, it just looks good, you know, to have valid code up there. You don't want to throw any, throw any errors when the person goes up there. And if you make it simple enough, this shouldn't be a problem for you. Do not put any Google ads or other advertisements on your portfolio site. And this, like I said, you know, if you go with, you know, hosting that someone else is hosting, it's most likely going to have some of the stuff on there and it's just going to detract from what you're trying to show them. So definitely don't put it up yourself. Tips for promoting your one-page graphic design portfolio. Another uh, important thing to keep in mind. Submit your portfolio to design inspiration sites. You see these things all over. I've put a couple of them in the bullpen. Um, there's tons of them now. Places where people just go to look at different work. And you should be doing this yourself if you're not. But just going to these sites and looking at other people's work can help get your turn your brain on and, and get you thinking in different ways. So obviously like submitting your own work to that people are it's going to be out there people will see it uh, if you participate in graphic design forums such as the one that uh, we got this idea out of showcase your site in threads dedicated to showing portfolio work which we uh, we definitely do have a section for doing that and uh, that way some people will see it uh, tell all your friends about your site word of mouth is 
uh, underestimated method of website promotion. That is the best way. Uh, I preach that day in and day out or episode in and episode out. You definitely got to tell everybody you know about what you do. Uh, let them know so that they can tell their friends and their friends can tell their friends and all their family. And hopefully somebody will need something from you and you can get some work. Um, <clears throat> the next one they have is to read this book on search engine optimization. We've talked uh, in detail about that. Uh, we had some some uh, guest hosts actually talk about it as well. So if you need to go back and look for those, uh, I don't have the numbers of the episodes right in front of me right now, but we definitely did talk about uh, search engine optimizations. That's something that you should definitely keep in mind. Um, I think for this type of thing, though, we're talking about portfolios. Most times you're going to be telling the person where it is. You're going to be going for a job or you're going to be talking to a potential freelance client and you're going to say, hey, go to this website. You can check out my work there. So the search engine optimization stuff I don't think is really that much that important as opposed to if you were trying to sell a business. You know, if you're trying to sell something online, you're selling T-shirts online, then that would definitely be important for you. But we're, we're trying to sell our work to usually a certain certain person that we're going to tell to go there and look at it. Uh, exchange links with other designer sites, always a good idea. Create and attach a blog to your website so you can post articles relating to to design on your site. Uh, this is a good thing to do. Um, the thing that, that I'd say be cautious of is don't, don't link a blog that's about your personal life because that is a turnoff for some people. Um, you definitely don't want to have, you know, entries in a blog about how you went out and, and got super drunk and, you know, ended up passed out in the street. Uh, I'm not saying that everybody would, would write something like that, but I mean, that's just an extre extreme case. You don't want to be sharing things about your personal life on a site that's linked to your portfolio that potential employers are going to be looking at. So just keep that in mind. Uh, submit, your, submit your website to quality business directories. Um, Sometimes you can trade links to get into these things. Sometimes you have to pay for it. So that may or may not be a good idea for you. Uh, submit, your, submit your website to logo design inspiration sites mentioned in our article. And you can find that. There's links in this article as well if you want to go take a look at those. Um, one of the links that they have on here is actually going to be our, our bullpen entry. Uh, that I think that pretty much wraps up. So basically, just to kind of summarize this whole thing, the gist is we're making like a very, very simple web page with our work on it to not distract with any other items on there away from the work that we're trying to show the person. It's just really a, a minimalistic approach to to show our work to whoever it is we want to show it to. And again, it's also great for those of us who might not be great at building websites because it's simple. It's simplified. It's just a, a basic page that scrolls up and down that has a bunch of work on it with some, you know, a little bit of text, some paragraphs. So uh, a great way to show off your work. Again, probably the biggest thing for some of you may be securing that domain and the hosting and setting up the actual site. Um, but once you get that done, the rest of it should be pretty easy. You can probably use some kind of WYSIWYG uh, HTML editor to build that page for you. Things are getting a bit out of hand. Looks like it's time to go to the bullpen. Our site for today is called One Page Folios. 
And again, this is dealing with the, the same one page portfolios. And if you go to this site, you'll notice that it's very minimalistic as well. Uh, there's just a, there's like a little form where you can add your own one page portfolio. And below that, there's like a little yellow section and there's a link that says RSS feed. If you click on that, it opens a new window with uh, some feeds in there. You can look at different people's uh, designs, different portfolios. Um, and there are some great ones in there. So uh, if you want to take a look at some examples of what, be, what we've been talking about today, again, it's, it's not going to be anything revolutionary because that's the point. You know, it's a very simple page. Uh, some of these are done up very well, though. They're, they are very simple, but there is, you know, some little things that they do to, to separate themselves from, from just the norm of having a white blank page with a couple of examples on it. So check those out, and uh, I think it'll give you a good idea of maybe what you might want to do for your own portfolio. All right, so uh, just one more reminder that we will be taking a hiatus after this episode for about three months. So look for us back in October and we will at least give a status and, and probably have a couple of episodes, but hopefully we'll be back running strong, ready to continue on onto the third year of Rookie Designer. Um, again, a couple of things you can do for me if you so choose is to keep telling people about this website, the podcast, Everything's going to be there. You know, all the archived episodes will be either on the feed or on the website where you can download them. So definitely, you know, if there's people out there that you think can benefit from this, let them know that it's there and there will be a, a ton of new content for them to check out at least. Um, also, if you have topics, you have ideas for future shows, that would really help this thing keep going in October. So either send them to me, adam at rookiedesigner.com. Uh, if you're on MySpace, it's myspace.com slash rookie designer, or you can go to the forums, rookiedesigner.com slash forum. And uh, you can also Skype me. I'm not usually on Skype too much anymore these days, though. Uh, but if you want to Skype me, my username is Titanstrides. And that's about it for that. Uh, again, thank you guys for tuning in, for subscribing, for telling people about this. I know a lot of you have told a lot of other people who are avid lis listeners now. Um, thank you for all your support. Again, this podcast wouldn't be what it is without the great audience of designers. And just remember that everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star. All right, I'll see you guys in a few months. That one's high. It's got the distance. It's
Follow me, follow me 